in five, four, three, two, one, go. We are not catfishing cornbread. This, this is, is catfishing, catfishing cornbread. Good day. Good day. Good Little Australian on them, huh? Good day, mate. <laughs> good day, good people. I uh, hope you are doing well. It's been a while, maybe two weeks. Two weeks. It's been two weeks we've been out. And I will take a little bit of ownership. It's uh, more than partially my fault because Clay and I did have lunch last weekend, I think, last Saturday. Yes. And we talked about it on another podcast, but I never... And you went ghost. I didn't go ghost. I just, it slipped my mind. Work has started back. So. so, guys, you heard it here first. There's one person in this duo that really cares about you getting good content every week. And it slips the other. I'm just kidding. I was kind of busy, too. I Actually, Sunday, I looked down at like 5 o'clock, and I was like, well, it's, uh, I hope to goodness you didn't text me or something because I would forgotten myself. So, yeah. it happens. So, forgive us. But we're back. We are back, and we're better. And uh, we have some exciting news that we're going to release later. Probably not during this podcast, but we're moving forward. So that is impressive. Thank you to the two people last week that sent us emails. Um, Coach RT. Is that right? RT. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Coach. And Coach Thomas. Then we have a former, well, I guess he's a former student to me, not so much to you who listens and needs verbal confirmation from you, Clay, not me, which I forward both of those emails to you. I did receive um, So if you'd like to take this time to do that, this would be a perfect opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, and because, you know, the young man is <laughs> still a minor, I'm going to go ahead and say I stick by my statement that um, I, I, appreciate, um, I appreciate what you think about – um, your sport. Well, the que- let's 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 go here. Yeah, I think what, you should yeah, ask. What he what was question. said was is that he wanted a verbal confirmation that football it does not require no that basketball requires as much commitment as football does. Um, and and again, I that sounds horrible. I know when you listen to it, but if you listen to my reasoning, eleven kids just can't go play a game of football. You know what I mean? Like correctly. I mean, you can go run out and play, and you can do some things that are football like. Um, but 10 kids can go get, play a game of basketball that's very, very similar to the sport. Um, and that's what I was kind of saying. It's like the commitment level for what you got to do, the amount of effort that you put into your body, uh, the work that you have to do, and then the limited amount of time you actually get to play the sport um, requires – it's just you, you, 95% of what you do in football is preparing for the game and 5% is in the game. In basketball, you get to play the game a lot more. You just do. So – doesn't require the same commitment. Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I Again, I think I said this when we talked about this. I don't think that commitment is the right word. I would say that you're absolutely right in terms of preparation and preparing and also keeping in mind the limited amount of time that you actually play the game of football. Mm-hmm. I can understand where you're coming from from that standpoint. Um but as a basketball player, coach, I guess now I'm really a football coach too, though. Um, oh, Lord. 
it is um i i tend to say that basketball has just as much commitment if not more but that's but not how? The, that's not the topic how though? today well because i i think the I think, yes, you're right. You can get 10 kids or adults or people to go play a game of basketball and can and make a day out of it and do perfectly fine. But from a skill set, I think it takes the same amount of effort in basketball just as much as it does in football to play the game right. Because if you're playing pickup, that could easily just become one-on-one. Well, let's do it this know? way then. You think Kevin Durant and LeBron James uh, work as hard as, uh, let's say, a Tom Brady did? Throughout his career, work as hard. Yes. No. No yes, way. I 100 think mm-hmm. that. And the reason why, I mean, again, it's just, it's just not the 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 punishment that your body takes um, to be able to do it at a high. What does level. it mean they aren't working as hard? It means that you. It requires a greater level of commitment. It certainly does. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, how are you going? Like, I mean. Like, what I'm saying is, is James Harrison, who, who's who's playing linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers for years, has to spend as much time in the weight room, um, probably ten times the amount in the weight room that as a as a thirty year old, right? right? As as um, LeBron James is spending probably cumulatively. Um, okay. And and I'm just saying that that's that's my point is it's not and I'm not knocking basketball. Basketball is a wonderful discipline. Like uh, no, it's it's, awesome. it's a great game. It's a great discipline. It requires a a, a tremendous amount of athleticism. Um, and um, I've always I, I always respect the game of basketball. It's not a knock on basketball. It's just saying in order to do this, it's like climbing mountains. In my opinion, you know, if you're gonna climb this mountain, that's fine. It's a good mountain. You can climb it. But if you're gonna climb this mountain, it's gonna be a little bit tougher to get to the top. And that's what I'm saying. And in order to climb, and, and you got to have more commitment to climb the bigger mountain. Now, I'm not, again, not knocking. I love the game of basketball. Love the game of basketball. Great discipline. You can commit to it to a very high level. But you do not have to do the things that you have to do in such a physical, brutal sport like football to prepare your body, be in excellent shape, um, to take that onslaught. And I think that's the biggest thing is just what you have to do to your body to take the beating. Um, because I, I'd put it to you this way. You take the best in-shape basketball player right now, and you put him through an NFL season, he won't last. Because his body's not prepared. Because he hasn't had to share the level of commitment to prepare his body like that. Well, I think that would be true now, if, if you, you flipped it. No. No, it certainly wouldn't be true. You think, man, come on, man. You don't think Roddy White could make a basketball season? That would be like me asking you, you don't think LeBron James can make a football season? I don't. I, I, and I don't. You don't think Roddy White can? No. You think just, LeBron James I, can? I, I think when I... And again, just like you, I'm not knocking football, but when I think about the the sport, you know, in football, there's a play, three, five second, whatever, downtime to get ready for the next play. I think that no, no, both, yeah, both athletes are in great shape. I think a basketball player yeah. more so to take advantage of that time versus the game of basketball when it's constant unless there's an end of a quarter or a timeout. So that's when I'm thinking of that. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, and I agree with you. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But what I would say is somebody who's in shape and can take a beating can get their lungs prepared with much less commitment than somebody who's got their lungs prepared but get in shape to take the beating. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you're right. Uh, and, and when I say they wouldn't make a season, like, they would ha- there would be a transitioning period. I'm just saying for most of those guys are playing NFL football. And you see those guys, man, and, and in my experience, I've had to, you know, some of the luxury of going to see some of these guys move. Man, I'm going to tell you something. When you see these these men who have dedicated their self, I mean, it is amazing to watch their body control and, and just the amount of 
you know, force and power that that game uh, creates. And it's just a tough game to play. It's the reason why NFL – I don't think – I think the NFL average running back is 2.6 seasons or something like that. Maybe it's less yeah, than that, I you know, because they just get the crap beat out of them. Yeah, I can see um, that. And then you see these guys who do it, like Marshawn Lynch, for a long time. And, you know, everybody – you know, you no matter how you feel about Marshawn Lynch, the one thing you better know is that that dude – was in shape and took care of his body, and there ain't no, and there's no arguing it because you can't you can't run a you can't run a car or a vehicle or anything like that for as long as he did as hard as he did and get that result. And it just it's an extreme level of commitment. I mean, to the point of these guys have I mean like hyper nutritionist and 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 like everything they do is centered around staying healthy, um, and all the elite players at the game are that way. Um, there was a kid out of Florida that got drafted, I think it was a year or two ago. Um, he posted a picture on whatever in the heck social media, and it said it had some Cheetos and a yoo And it said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride what got me here. Um, and, and somebody uh, – Was that Cheetos and yoo Huh? Was that Cheetos and a yoo I guess. What? And somebody oh, – and it was so funny, like, like three seconds later, yes, three seconds later, somebody responded back and said, you won't be here long. Sir, if you're listening, let me tell you from someone who was an amazing specimen of a Greek god, college basketball player. And very my, humble. And myself. Cheetos and Yoo-Hoo's, definitely not the answer because um, since college, I put on a lot of LBs. A lot, um, a lot of kilos. <clears throat> um. So... Uh, I, I need you to go get a nutritionist or a health coach. Oh, I'm sure or, he's not around anymore. You okay. can't. You can't have that type of mentality. <clears throat> you know, you've seen it too with uh, what was the Johnny Manziel? Mm-hmm. You know, Johnny Manziel was this great athlete who was in this system that kind of exposed him at this wonderful quarterback. He gets drafted number one by the Browns, and he don't go to quarterback meetings in camp. Well, where is he at now? Last time I heard him, he got arrested like a drunken disorderly or something. Probably doesn't shock and, me. And it's just and and this you tell these kids, and this is one of the things that you know. Oh, it's always about, is, I'm about to go on a rant here, but I'm going to listen to you. <laughs> one of the things you tell these kids all the time is they see that glory side of it, but they don't see the work side of it. Preach. And that's because when somebody's sitting in the gym working for ten or twelve hours, watching film, going and working out in the hot tub, going to the bio uh, the cry, cryogenic freeze uh, chamber. Um, sleeping in a, a hyperbaric chamber when they're doing all this stuff and you see all this commitment level, and but you don't see all that, you think that when you make the play, that gives you the authority to act that way or do that, whatever. And they just don't get it. And I tell them all the time, guys, you know, if you really look at what those guys do, one of the one of my favorite things they used to do is when I worked in sales, I tell people all the time, you know, was Michael Phelps a, was he born naturally a great swimmer? And everybody say, oh, yeah, 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 he's born. And it's kind of hard to argue that because I can't remember what his wingspan was, but it was like six foot nine inches. I mean, or he seven. had the, the physique yeah. to be a great swimmer. And he swimmer. had like this 13-size shoe, and he was he had the physique, physique to be a great swimmer, exactly. But go if you ever want to be intrigued for about two minutes, go look at Michael Phelps' diet. Oh, I've, and, um, I've already seen that. Yeah, I know, and probably a lot of people have. But, I mean, this guy had to consume, it was like fifteen or 16,000 calories a day. Um. He ate more in the first half of his breakfast than me as a fat, overweight, 38-year-old eats all day. And um, he had to do that because he was in a pool for six hours and he was just constantly burning those calories. And so everybody sees Michael Phelps swim and they see him win five goals. But how do you think it is at 9 o'clock at night when he's still looking at two large cheese and pepperoni pizzas that he's got to eat where he can perform that next day? And everybody says, oh, well, eating's fun. It's, there's no way that's fun. It's there's no way that's fun. easy to do. And I had a kid that played for us um, when we were at Spartanburg. 
who was a he was a 185 pound kid. He played linebacker, man, man of a. I mean, in for the Shrine Bowl, uh, went to, made the Shrine Bowl. I thought you were gonna say he was the man of the year. No, he was up for a. He was uh, Mr. Football year. Oh, for the state? Up, he, he wasn't the he wasn't the winner. Okay, he was That's in still the running. Awesome, though. Yeah, he was in the running. I think he, I don't know where he finished, but you know, there's only like five kids considered right. from across the state. All right, and he he um he wanted to get the way he moved. He felt like if he kept his speed and get up to 205, he might well be a very dangerous safety at like a Division One level. And he had to gain weight. And I mean, the overall commitment for that young, I mean, like literally, I mean, it, eating was a job, like. You know, you literally had to – I mean, it wasn't – there's no more fun. There's no more going and getting ice cream because it's fun. It's like when you're chewing, like, your mouth's wearing out. Uh, you're literally having to put this much food in you to, to bulk up to get to this level to do that. And 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 nobody sees that level of commitment. If you don't believe it, what you ever watch uh, game day with um, – oh, what's the guy's name? He was a DN at Georgia. You might know him. Uh, DN – Georgia Bulldogs, uh, Hines Pollock. Ward. Well, no, uh, no, David Pollock. That's my friend. Hines, you know David Pollock? I know David Pollock. Right, look at him in comparison to when he played versus what he looks like on game day now. Uh, what I, is he like? I he's know. like 150 pounds smaller. <clears throat> yeah, and he's a big health freak. Man. Yeah, and there's no doubt about it. And the thing about it is, is what happened was, is he didn't have to do that anymore. And so he loses 100. So think about the discipline. You know, every one of us go through Christmas. We all gain to Christmas 5, 10, 15 pounds, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But think about the discipline it would take to gain 150 pounds over the course of four years and maintain it throughout your career. And it's just like, guys, I'm sorry. There's no other sport that requires that of people. I mean, on a team level, in my opinion. Um, and so, you know, again, I stick by my comment. I'd love to, I'd love to, uh, <laughs> I'd love to sit here and say, no, it's all right. Everything's all equal and everything. It's well, just not. Yeah, that's not something you would say anyway. It's exactly it's definitely not. not a clay because it's not this. true. And I, I speak say, truth. Okay. Yeah. Take a sip of your coffee. So speaking <laughs> of hard work. So, you know, I, I, take pride in people coming to me for advice for whatever reason. I'd like to think that I'm a life coach to a certain, to a certain degree. I think I do well at uh, helping people kind of navigate through some tough waters. Well, here recently I had um, a former student. Now he's been out of high school probably almost four years now. But anyways, he doesn't want to go back to play football. And I was just confused so I, again, listen, you know, I was like, so what is, what is it that you don't like about it? And the very first thing that came out of his mouth was, um, I'm sick of hell week. I don't get to play. It's stupid. Practices are dumb. Just completely a cynical approach. And I said, after he finished talking, I was like, well, wait. You were the person when football season ended your in your high school who was very adamant, passionate about playing college football. Uh, you received great accolades from your high school career, which you definitely earned and deserved. And now all of a sudden you don't want to work hard anymore because that's what I'm hearing because you're not getting playing time. I said, well, I would venture to say that the time that you've been in college – You've been lazy because it didn't come easy to you because now you are a little fish and everyone else on your team had just as much or the same or more credentials as you did at the high school level. But now they're just working hard. And I was like, and that's what tears up my nerves about y'all is that you want the paycheck, but you don't want to work to get the paycheck. I said, so I, 
And the fact that you're about to go into your senior year and you're talking about quitting school. I mean, he's talking about literally quitting school because of football. And I was just like, I, I can't do this. Like, I really have to talk to you when you have like a little bit more sense right now. Because just for you to tell me that you don't want to go back to school because of hell week and you've already had to endure this, if you will, for three seasons already. Like, it just it blows my mind. Like, and I'm sure you see this as a football coach or just as a coach in general. At the high school level, if a kid or a group of kids, if they see a little success, well, really today, even if they don't, if they think that they're good, they think that they have all the tools to go play at the collegiate level because it's exactly what you said. They see through the media the successes of others and obviously the media doesn't show, unless this person just happens to have a documentary of some sort, the the work ethic or the behind the camera scenes, if if you will, you know. And I just I, I say this all the time. I wish before a kid commits, whether it's a verbal commitment, sign a scholarship, letter of intent, whatever the case may be, walk on. I, I wish and maybe this does happen, but like I wish that kid could go shadow a collegiate athlete in their sport from sun up to sundown. And I'm talking about a successful athlete who has honored the process or is currently honoring the process and bought into their institution's game plans from their coaches, you know, mm-hmm. just to see I play college basketball you play college football clay as a freshman. And I was an excellent basketball player in high school and I was in college too. But the difference was this. I remember in October, maybe it was late September, my freshman year, in the locker room, my college basketball coach said to the team, tomorrow practice will start at 5 a.m. Clay. Now I went to a Christian college, so I obviously couldn't verbalize this. Uh, But in my mind, I am like saying not so nice words to myself and to my coach. I remember calling uh, my mom and was like, I, my coach just said practice starts at 5 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> and she, because she's the woman who she is, she was like, well, then Shavaya, practice starts at 5 a.m. Like, Guess what that means. <laughs> I don't know what you're calling me about. Like, what do you want me to say to that? Because I'm not about to call your coach and say, you can't have practice at 5 a.m. And that's, you know, that freshman year was eye-opening for me. I still love playing basketball. But I remember, like, getting out of practice at 7.30. I had an 8 a.m. class. And then guess what? We had practice again at 4. And then guess what was after that? Thankfully, now I always got a hard time about this. We had weight training at 7 or 8. I don't know what time it was, but it was in the evening. I didn't have to go because I scheduled a class (laughs) during that time. But it's a huge commitment, just like any other sport, in terms of, like, being at the college level. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that... Just kids today don't understand that, you know? No, they don't. They don't understand. I remember the first time in my life I I ever went to a practice and didn't know how I was going to perform was day three in my, my at college. North yeah, at North Greenville when we went. And and pre, I don't know if you guys remember a guy named by the name of Corey Stringer. He was um, he was the guy who died with the first ephedra like mm. overdose from the Minnesota Vikings, and after he passed away. Um, and I think it was like stacker twos or whatever they were taking back in the day to give them energy to get through. They, they really started, uh, 
hammering down on a lot of things. And it's why we end up with a lot of the rules we have now, um, which is all wrapped around player safety and all good rules. But back, back, I was at the back end of that. I was the last group. Uh, our first two college camps that we went through um, were the last two years before they went before they outlawed how many days you could practice. Uh, we were NAI at the time, yeah. going to NCAA, so there was even least restrictions. So we practiced three times a day, um, and um, it wasn't until like day four that it wasn't full pads. I think. Um, first practice at 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, next practice was at like 10. Then you went to lunch and you had an afternoon special teams practice. You came back, you ate dinner. In between all those, you had meetings. And then they we had, because we were at a Christian school too, they they wanted us all to get saved every night. So they preached to us until about 11 o'clock at night. And then you went went to sleep. And um, if you wanted any, if you wanted any, like any of your treatment or pre-wrap or whatever, anything that, that, that started practice, you had to be in the training room by 4. Um, and so that was kind of the first little deal. And I remember the third day where my dorm was uh, in North Greenville, it was Unit B, which is down like in a – North Greenville's on the side of a mountain. So it's down in the hole, like the last unit down at the bottom. And you had to walk up like 60-something stairs, you know, through just to get to the right. level. And you walk across campus and you go down the hill uh, to the football facility there. And uh, which is it's a lot different now if anybody goes up there. It's a lot nicer, but – I remember walking up those steps, and I got like to the like the first set of like fifteen or twenty steps, and I, I literally was going, I don't know how I'm gonna practice. Like it it hurts so bad to walk, and then forty five minutes later, we're in full pads, you know, on the field, and you got to go. So it, it's a that's my experience. I'm sure there's a lot more out there worse than mine. Uh, there's probably some out there better than mine, but yeah, kids don't understand. Uh, they don't understand, and 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 to be honest with you, I didn't understand, and the generation before that didn't understand, and and it's just it's just not a. I think the one thing that makes it more relevant in our society, like we talk about all the time, is social media. You see the glory, you see the victory, you see all that. And so what it, what it worries me is you see like kids that there's either two ways to go now. You're either that guy or you don't play because you don't want to be the other guy. You know, the, you, you're either the guy doing the cross up or you're the guy going, oh, you don't want to be yeah. the guy that got crossed up. Well, you know, now kids say um, if you're the guy that's, the guy, like the man, crossing people over. Now, he's a try hard. He's a try hard. He's oh, really? Try- yeah. And I just cringe when I hear kids say, he's such a try hard. Like, I, what coach doesn't want the try hard? Yeah. Versus the kid that's saying, oh. It's a protection of the ego. You know, and I'm, I'm pursuing, I'm, I'm actually going to start. I, I'm, I'm not 100% certain on this, so I probably shouldn't even say it yet. But I'm looking hard at maybe, I told you, getting my master's in sports psychology. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that there's, there's a couple of instances that, that's happened to me, um, that really, um, have made me want to do that. One of them was a story a, a guy told me, and then I actually seen it happen later on, but it was two kids racing. They're, they're in a foot race, right? And it's like, they, they've convinced themselves they're going to race. And so when they take off running, um, and I may have mentioned this on here before, but they'll, they'll both compete, compete, compete. But when one of them starts to pull away, all right. The, the trick is to watch the other guy. And if the other guy tries to speed up and gives everything he's got, you got something special. But you would be surprised in that situation how many kids, once that one kid starts to pull away, you know what they do? Slow down. They slow down. And um, we had to, uh, one of the guys I worked with one time who, who's done a lot with, uh, he's a big uh, weightlifting, all that guys. He said, he said, that is the protection of their ego. And what it does is subconsciously they're saying, if I would have gave my all, I could have won. 
And you see that so evident. Like that example you may not see, but you see it so much, ev- so evident in so much stuff. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, when people knock other people down mm-hmm. or when they say, oh, I had this happen or they make excuses. And, and so um, that's, that, that really got me interested in that sports psychology thing because it's very hard to train somebody. Like I, I'm always amazed with UFC fighters because when you go in there and get knocked out, and that's going to happen, okay? You do not fight for a living and don't get knocked out eventually. Right, all the greats. It's happened to everybody, except for maybe Floyd Mayweather. Um, you know, everybody. And Chihai, Brown. And, and uh, yeah, you're not a fighter though, but uh, you're a lover. Virginia's <laughs> for lovers. Um, but everybody who goes into these, uh, everybody goes into these things are going to get knocked out, and 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 the and the wherewithal to overcome that and fight again is something that always amazes me because they don't. Not only do they get knocked out. They've trained for three or four months, and they get knocked out in front of thousands of people there and millions of people worldwide. And you've got to be able to bounce back from that and come back from that. And that level of vulnerability is something that I think every kid in the world can learn from. Because, again, you know, and you can say as many cliche things as you want to say, not fall down seven, get up eight, all that stuff. But it's all true. You know what I mean? And that's that's the thing that – is so interesting to me about that sports psychology thing and the tryhards is the reason why he's a tryhard is because if I were to try that hard, I would be that good too, but I'm just too cool to do that. So therefore I'm not going to be a tryhard. All right. That way I have, I give myself an excuse to not be that good or look that good. And, it, and it's just a protection of, of the ego. And again, in my estimation, most of the things, and if there's any parents listening, I know we got several parents that listen to us or a lot of parents listen to us and a lot of, a lot of kids listen to us too. There needs to be some type of restriction on that device that's feeding that ego. And that device that's feeding that ego is in their hip pocket 20 hours a day. So um, think about that because I am telling you, it's, I think it's dangerous. I mean, when you, when you can't do anything but succeed or not be a part, then a lot of people are going to be sitting on sidelines because yeah. it's going to end. And, and the, the flip side of that, though, is, if you are a kid or a parent of a child who is willing to go out there and make their self vulnerable fail, it has become a lot easier to be much more marketable. More people want you because people are scared to be like that. Um, and so, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's not that it's a difficult thing to do, but it's not that difficult to put your finger on. Right. And so if you can, if, if you get a kid that can do that, man, that kid is marketable. That kid's going to have opportunity. They're going to make their own way because it's, it's, it's becoming fewer and fewer as we see kids come up. Um, so I don't know. It's my sports psychology moment. Yeah, there you know. go. That was a, that was a nice, um, spiel, um, for a positive one, not yeah. more just ranting about nothing. Like <laughs> think that people need to hear those things. And speaking of things that you need to hear, viewers, August 5th was a big day for both Clay and myself and Clay's family and friends who watch Big Brother. Big Brother. But It was also also, a big day for another reason. Yes, I was going to get there. Save the best for last, you know. (laughs) It was also... My birthday. <laughs> Sorry, awful. it took me a while to get there. I'm a little out of practice. So, yeah, so happy birthday to me. Happy welcome back, big brother, uh, to the television series. And I have to say, this was a great birthday. It was my first birthday in 17 years. 
that I was actually home because normally I'm away at summer camp. Um, so we had, um, I had a drop in. It was called Brews with Brown. So I had friends come. I sent out like personal invitations kind of with my face on it, with a smiling, me smiling. Uh, because of COVID, I made it a drop in and people can come through um, if they wanted to, if they felt comfortable doing so. Um, Clay and his wife came. I we think did. it was a good time. We had a great time. It was a good little uh, drop in. Good to see you. Good to see you, some other folks. And um, I'm getting to that point now where it's like um, COVID is like uh, wearing sunglasses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, so, you know, I don't know, it becomes so common that sometimes you walk out of the house and you forget your sunglasses. Right. Um, and so I'm hoping, I'm hoping all this stuff will die down and we can actually get a large gathering of people together again at one time. But you had a good turnout, at least the time I was there. Yeah, we, no, went, was, we just dropped in and hung around for 20 or 30 minutes. And then, yeah, and that's what most people did. Uh, you know, it was just truly a drop in. And part of that I was really nervous about because I think oftentimes, not just because it's me, but when people are invited to places, even if it's just a drop in, they just tend to stay, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. But given the circumstances here in the pandemic, I just thought, I don't want that to happen because my biggest fear would be people who don't believe in wearing a mask or, you know, just Something because happened, a lot of yeah. us, I wouldn't want that on my conscience. But thankfully, another reason why I love all of my friends, they can follow simple instructions. Um, and then I, of course, had some more friends who came later because they wanted to hang out with me in my apartment. Yeah. Um afterwards which was a lot of fun uh too but it was a great it was a great day i enjoyed it um had some phenomenal messages from former students players uh co-workers current co-workers i have to say this is really funny though so i have a friend who's a military recruiter and he loves to make stupid jokes all the time so he said I can't wait till you open this card because I think it's really funny. Well, I opened the card. I didn't think anything of it. I read it. I didn't really like look at the oh, the front of the card. I just read what was in the inside of the card. Well, I had the card sitting on my counter and my friends were upstairs. I had gone at my apartment. So I come back in and they had this like look on their faces. And I was like, what's wrong with y'all? And they're like, should I your your father was here? And I was like, was where? It's like, he came to your little drop-in? And I was like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. They're like, well, this card says to my favorite son. And I was like, what card? Well, Clay, <laughs> my friend who's a military recruiter, his card to me said, dear favorite son, and then, and I actually like took the time to read it, and it was like a card a dad would get their son. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's such an idiot because this <laughs> card is like expressing like the sincerest form of gratefulness. And I was like, what? And so I called and I was like, you are probably the biggest idiot now because my friends truly think or thought that my father had given me this birthday card. It was funny. I mean, obviously you know enough about me now to know like that there is no relationship there. Yeah. But uh I just thought, why why would they think that? But then I actually took the time to read the card. So, you know, 
it was probably the one of the most comical gifts that I received. Um, and then I had another friend who's a world traveler. I hadn't seen him literally in years. And he sends me uh, a birthday message on Instagram singing, um, we're going to party like it's your birthday by 50 Cent. And he's a white boy who can't dance. So it was... Uh, he's a white boy who can't dance? Yes. Could you just stop that white boy right there? Or how does that work? I, I couldn't stop there, but there are some white guys who can dance. That's true, I guess. So that's almost like he's a white boy who can't dance. So it made the video even more hilarious. Um, so had a great day. It's a wonderful, wonderful day. I can't complain. Um, a lot of... Funny things happened. I and this is the last one. I'll let you talk some more. I have a friend John. I'm enjoying who, this. You keep going. Who is, you know, he's he's pretty outgoing. But I was sitting in a training at a high school in Greenville, and there were probably fifty other teachers in there too. Well, he Facetimes me, but I did answer because I didn't think he was going to do this because he's usually fairly quiet when he's speaking. And the meeting hadn't started yet, but everyone was in there. He starts, and this is a FaceTime, belting from the top of his lungs, happy birthday. I'm not, I don't really get embarrassed. And actually, like, maybe a small part of me, like, loves this attention. But at that moment. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? What small part of you loves the attention? Yeah, there's a small part of me that loves that type I of think, attention. I think that's probably one that listen to me. Okay, I'm. Being uh, a when do here. I not listen to you? There, there probably is a right large now. part of you that loves the attention, uh, and that's okay. But you, you it know, is okay. But yeah. I, in this particular situation, I would say no, dude. Um, well, so moving y'all write in, please at uh, <laughs> catfish and cornbread thirty four at gmail.com. Gmail and let us know if you believe those of you who know Shavai, if it's a large part or a little part of him. That enjoys attention. At that particular moment, let me finish. Um, I didn't know any of these people. Well, I, I knew a few, the ones who were at my school. Anyways, he's belting this at the top of his lungs. I am so flustered that I don't even can't locate the end call thing on my phone that I attempt to get up. And then everyone in there starts singing happy birthday. And at that point... <laughs> Yes, I was laughing, but my head was like in my fat, my in my hands because it was a little bit embarrassing. But it was like a nice, um, pleasant gesture, I guess. I thought that was pretty funny too. So, thank you, John. Happy birthday! That's awesome. Well, you know, and the other part of the equation you talked about on August fifth was Big Brother. Now, I'm not sure how um, everything's going to stack up, but. Um, Big Brother's a huge part of our summers here at the Wiles household. Um, and I'm finding that there's more and more people, uh, more friends than mine. Uh, actually, Coach Thomas, me and him talk <laughs> routinely about Big Brother. Um, and Miss um, Dickerson, I found out, her family's a big, big, big brother uh, fans. So I'm hoping to... Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm hoping to um, strike, uh, get some people interested in this because I want to really know what you think. Uh, the Big Brother cast. For those of you who don't know what Big Brother is, Big Brother is the best social experiment of all time. It takes a, a number of people, puts them in the house. They compete. Whoever wins is king for the week, basically. They select two people that we're all going to hate and try to vote out. 
the, the group tribes up. They figure out how they're going to vote. They get to play another competition to determine if those two people are going to stay the two people or they can change around a little bit. And then after that, they vote. You can only vote for the two people that are up for being evicted um, every week. And one of them has to go home. And the last person standing, once you get it down to two people, the last person standing is voted on by the like the last nine people that were in the house to see which of the two, when there are two people standing, the last nine before them vote to see which one of those win a half million dollars or a million dollars or whatever the prize is. It's one of the greatest social experiments in the world because you have to weigh that line between uh, stabbing people in the back, being honest, loyalty, and all that type stuff, but making the moves to get. You got to do enough dirt to get to the end, but not enough dirt to make everybody hate you. Um, and so it's like, you, and, it's, and it's the, it's the, if you don't believe in the depravity of man, please watch Big Brother season. You will see it in full swing when people, when there's money on the line, you will see people that will say some outrageous things, do some outrageous things at the thought of winning money. Um, and it's always interesting to me to watch these social experiment uh, play out. I've enjoyed it for years, but um, this year's an all-star season with COVID. Um, and so I really doing it, are they doing this virtually? No, they're doing it they're in real in life. House. What they did is everybody got tested multiple times. They went into two week quarantine before, and they were tested throughout the quarantine. And actually, one guy, uh, he was a winner. His name's Josh Martinez. If anybody watches it, he was the guy that would bang the pots together and go run through the house like driving everybody crazy. Uh, he would. It was like a social tactic of his, like the people that he didn't like. Like he'd wait till the middle of the night and just go get two pots and just start banging them and wake everybody up and everything. But he um, he actually contracted COVID while uh, under the scrutiny and could not go, and they had to fill in with an alternate. Um, and so, you know, uh, week one's, week one's uh, in the books. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about what happened because I know a lot of people watch it on DVR and different things, and there's all kind of different spots. And so if you send in an email and you're like one of these uh, fanatics, we got all access here so we can watch like live feeds and stuff like that. But don't don't if you send me anything that's got a spoiler in it, it hadn't showed on, aired on the TV show yet, let me know because sometimes I, I like to watch the TV show. So, um, What time does this come on? Um, it comes week? on Sundays. Okay. Um, oh, my goodness. Wednesdays and Thursdays. Three days a week? Yeah. I mean, it's the it's, same episode or different? No, episodes? no, no. It's running an experiment. So, like, okay. so like Sunday, they'll have, and, and I may have this wrong. And, and, and so I got a wonderful wife who, who basically tracks everything time wise for me. And so it allows my creative processes to be in full. I don't, I don't know what it allows. I, I can be irresponsible and I don't have to know what time stuff happens and all that stuff. She just tells me. And so, um, Big Brother, I think Sunday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I think what happens is like Sunday night, they have the, um, head of household competition okay. and so they all play a, a game and the game is it, it could be memory it could be skill it could be athleticism it could be endurance it could be all these different things so it could be this like any it could be like a carnival game it could be like um who could hang on to the rope the longest you know all this type of stuff and they got these cool things that happen and so whoever wins that wins what they call the head of household they're king of the week they get their own bedroom up in the top of the house they get their own bathroom they get all this all right and then uh, they make two nominations again so they pick two people now on Wednesday, um, they on the air they play and they do it throughout the week, but they show you the footage on Wednesday. They play a power of veto, and whoever wins that can change one of those nominations. All right, and so whoever wins that is safe, and they can use it. So if so, if me and you are up, and let's say my wife wins it, of course she's going to take you down because she wants to see me gone, right? So she would take you off the block. You can't put her or you up, and the and the head of household's got to replace you with somebody else. Okay. So then me and that person's on the block, right? <clears throat> And, and then Thursday night, they all go. It's live that night, and they cast a vote on who they want to go home. Whoever receives the most votes is off the show. And then 
they turn around and they do the head of household again. And it just keeps doing that pretty much till it dwindles down to, uh, you know, three people. And then it changes up a little what bit. Are, the same do you time. think, has there ever been a person who's always been the head of the household? Uh-uh, you can't, uh, you can't play two weeks in a row. If you win it one way, you can't win it next week. So you can't win consistently. No, you can win consistently, but what but you, you got to do is you got to win the head of household and then you got to win the veto the next week. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Because so, yeah. that'll protect you. And there has been some players that are considered, and some of them are on here, like Janelle, I think uh, Danny, Danny, uh, what was her name? Danny, Danielle, um, and Janelle, uh, two girls who um, are known for like, like I think I think Danielle won four head of households and five vetoes or something like that. She holds the record, okay. so she's won. So that's nine weeks of safety, you know. And there's only like sixteen or seventeen people. Yeah. Um, and she ended up. I think she lost one time. It was a weird season. She, her and her dad were on it together, and it was just kind of. But it, I think she lost to him, but she made it to the end. Um, and I think Janelle, Janelle is arguably probably one of the greatest players to ever play the game that's never won. She's played it like three times, and every time she's had a heck of a run. But she's uh, she's good. I, I kind of I like both of those guys. And then the two Nicoles are playing. I like old Enzo. There's a guy from South Carolina named Tyler. Um, he's from Hilton Head, and he's I mean, he's he's one of these man bun, capri wearing, kid wearing. Guys, you know. Guys wear cads? That's what the hell it looks like to me, man. I'm going to tell you. John Wayne didn't wear them shoes. I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, but Are they Vans? I don't know. Not cads? I'm going with cads. I mean, I've okay, seen cads yeah. before. I'm going with cads. I mean, you've seen Vans before, too. But I okay. have. And I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm going with cads. Uh, and again, he's not a bad guy. He just, I, you know, if we were going to like we have a South Carolina guy, I would much, much He's rather, not your pick. No, he wouldn't be. I mean, he's like, he's a surfer guy. He's not a bad dude, you know, again, but. But I'm pretty excited about a lot of these a lot of these guys and seeing there's a lot of good players in there. But I do have one problem. There's one guy, his name's David Alexander. All right, he got voted off week one, his season. Uh, let me rephrase that. They had some kind of crazy competition, and um, um, he uh, they had some kind of crazy competition, and he lost the first day they were in the house. You hear me? And now he's back on Big Brother All Stars. So I'm not sure if they had him in a wing and he just got in because that one guy got COVID or whatever. But I'm really disappointed in Big Brother that they brought a guy back to play on All-Stars that couldn't make it past week one. Maybe he's good for the media image. Maybe he has great character. Dude. Is that is that, is that so wrong? You pick, you is pick that an, wrong to you say? Picking a, you picking a baseball, you picking a basketball All-Star team. You're going to pick the guy that Missed his first layup. Well, yeah, that is a – if it was uncontested. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I, and, and I, I don't know the guy. The guy seems like a good guy. I mean, I'm not knocking him. I'm just wondering. I'm like, why did that happen? And I'd like to know because I think that's a legitimate question. You got – like, Janelle's been in, like, the top – I don't know. Like, you, if you were to read these people's stats on how many uh, head of households, how many vetoes they won, um, what situations they had to go through. There's one girl on there named Christmas, and I don't like her at all. She's like this fitness expert. But in her season, she was like this dominant competition person because she was in such good shape she could win. And then she's running around the house horse playing with this dude and falls and breaks her ankle. And she still makes it the top three, even though she had to change her game. Because, you know, if you're a competition person, people are coming after you. You know, you got to win competitions. But if you can't win competitions, now you got to be more of a social person. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And you got to get that protection with the people. So she had to change her. And I go, well, she didn't have that great. She finished third. You know, and I think she only played one time. Yeah. But the, her circumstances let me. I go, man, she probably she probably is an all star. You know what I mean? But anyway, I don't know why David got on there. Um, I am uh, I am a little baffled at that. There's a lot of there's a lot of former winners. 
Um, but yeah, they'll lock them in the house. They went in the house last week, man. So uh, we're excited at the Wilds household about all that. I think I think I'm gonna um, watch. Yeah, check it out. Check out the episode one on CBS.com right now. Okay. Right, we got the stuff here too, and like, uh, but it's a really. It, it, you know what? For us, it usually starts July the, around July the seventh. I know that because it's my wife's birthday, and that's usually it airs on her birthday a lot of times, depending okay. on what day it falls on. But um, it, it really does. Now, again, that you know, parents out there make I you know my kids watch it with me, and I have to explain some things to them because there's a lot of different lifestyles that that they put in this house, and a lot of different type of people, and a lot of different type of beliefs, and and all that type of stuff. And so we just have that conversation, and I think it's actually a good thing for us because we get to talk about what we believe versus what we don't believe, and then how do we find a way to love people that don't believe like us a lot. So it works for us, but um, it's, it's pretty neat, man, pretty neat. But anyway. I think, I think that that's awesome. So, you know, we got to hit a social social thing. Yeah, and I actually was going to um, – What are you going to say? You got one, I got one too. I want to hear what you I got, have man. one, and listen, I am ranting from a place of love. All right. So all of you know that the NBA recently just opened their season back up. And if you've been watching, you some teams, not all, um, and to each their own, because I'm not knocking a team that's not doing this. So I don't want anyone to send in an email. I, hey, I don't even like giving disclaimers. So I'm going to stop right there. With everything that's going on in our nation that's centered around um, social injustices, uh, Black Lives Matter, the movement, not the organization. Let me be clear about that also. Um, NBA players are using their platforms to promote uh, equality in terms of social justice and um, just making things, if you will, fair with opportunities, not outcome. I hope that makes sense, Okay. I'm just equaling the playing field. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I know the Lakers, the Pelicans, and a few other teams, instead of having their names on the back of their jerseys, they have things like um, Breonna Taylor or Black Lives Matter or equality or social justice or love or things that would represent um, social justice in a positive light. And then the coaches have created this organization, I think Coaches for Justice or something like that. I don't really remember what the name mm -hmm. of the organization is. At any rate, players, because they're individuals, they have the freedom to decide if they want to participate in this or not. And I don't have a problem with that either. Mm -hmm. Well, during the Lakers and the Clippers game, because um, it was LeBron versus Kawhi Leonard, great game, uh, both teams, both organizations, I should say, took a knee, locked arms during the national anthem, which was sung by the uh, East Compton Choir, which were these black girls sing beautifully, amazingly when they sang the national anthem. I'm watching this, and I think it is the most, to me, the most touching moving moving moment at that particular time in the in the before the game started because I didn't just see <clears throat> excuse me I didn't just see black athletes taking a knee or in the organizations it was everyone every single person and 
they locked arms. And I know people feel some type of way about taking a knee during the national anthem, and I'm not even going to get started on that. What warmed my heart at that particular moment was I saw unity. You know, despite how people may have felt personally, the locking arms, not even so much to taking the knee, but just the locking of arms between the two organizations, for me, was a great moment to say, you know what, in spite of all the things that are, are being done wrong, if you will, here's a moment where our nation can see, even with everything that's going on that's centered around racial inequalities or racial injustices, there are a group of people who are modeling what I would say um, behaviors that demonstrate we're in this together. And then here comes the media. <laughs> Pissing me off. I think his last name is Butler. I don't really remember. He uh, didn't wear a Black Lives Matter shirt, which, and he's a black athlete, which is fine. And his jersey didn't have anything on the back of it. And I think that it was his way of taking a stance, um, too. Who is it? Uh, his last name is Butler. I don't remember his first name. I'm getting the jersey of the guy from Orlando who did it, by the way. The uh... Um... I looked it up on I know my who phone. you're talking the about. The one blew his knee out, yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody's giving crap so, about why you want it, you know. Well, at any rate, the the news analysts, whatever, well, the, let me back up and say the NBA has a rule or policy that says they have to have something on the back of their jersey. Whether it's their name, it's fine. So they made him change, and he put the jersey on that has his name on the back. And so they interviewed him about that, and he just basically said for him, he didn't feel like I mean, he supports the movement of Black Lives Matter, but he felt like what he said was, I don't feel like taking a knee or wearing a shirt um, is the best practice for me and how I feel about it. Um, but I do support that. And I thought, I, I, I love that answer if he's walking in his truth. And I don't, as a black man, I don't even have a problem with it. Here is where I had a problem with it. I get on Facebook and I should probably just get off of Facebook or just remove these people off of my Facebook. I tried to tell okay. you. <clears throat> and I see. I got a bad feeling about yeah, this. Yeah, it is a bad feeling because I see my white male conservative friends <laughs> are posting things like, this is why I support Butler. Because um, he did reference God, which is great too. Um, he's a, a man of God refusing to take a knee, to, doesn't want to disrespect our nation, blah, 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 just going on. And Clay, I had a I had a fleshly moment. I literally called a friend I went to college with and went off on him about his post. And what I said to him was, taking a knee, wearing a shirt, is our American right. Like, we have that freedom to make that choice, just like Butler has the freedom to make his choice. Neither group of people are wrong here, but for you to say he is a Christian because he refused to kneel and suggesting the kids, the players, not kids, who, who knelt weren't American or demonstrating... Um, a, a faithful lifestyle to Christ said, I think that that is piss poor. And I said, and I would say to you as a believer, I think it's why Christians have a hard time living a life so that non-Christians would want to be a part of 
some type of spiritual faith because we do things like this. I don't think that any group of people are wrong. I think that if you if we were to sit everyone down, it's like you talked about good versus evil. I think that everyone would agree that something has to change. I just don't know that we all have the answer to what that is or if we would believe each other in what we think the answers are. And again, that just requires work. Mm-hmm. But for you to sit here and demoralize people for kneeling versus this man who took a stance and didn't kneel, which was fine, um, and praise him. I said, that's what I have a problem with. I said, because here's, I, we're going to end this conversation like this. Because taking the knee was the issue for him, not the shirt or anything mm-hmm. else. He was just taking the knee during the national anthem. I said, and he was professing his faith as a Christian. I said, well, let me ask you this. You push around. You only kneel for before God or for God. Great. Nothing wrong with it. But when you say your prayers, whenever it is that you say your prayers at night before you get in the bed, are you on your knees praying? I knew the answer to that. Yeah. He said, no, I pray in my bed. I said, then I'm finished. Yeah. Like, I don't have anything to say after that. Like, I'm finished. I think this whole thing, I'm sorry, you good? I, I think yeah, this whole thing kind of, um, again, I've, I've, I've explained this uh, several times. I know, man, you've talked about it. The problem is, 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 this, is the support and whomever. Um, the question I have for people who get upset at kneeling is it's, it's along the lines, same lines of like people who, when you talk about white Jesus or black Jesus, if Jesus was not your color, how would you how would you feel about him? My next question is, if they were kneeling because of the number of abortions in this country, would you support them? And, you know, because if, if all those guys got together and said, you know what, uh, the black race is being decimated by abortion, we're killing unborn babies, um, you know, and, and they're going to take a knee for that stand. If that's what they were doing. How would you feel about that? Because if you're not willing to say, hey, man, taking a knee for the national anthem is wrong, then you should probably stop for a second and say that. And that's what I've said the whole time. Look, you're exactly right. What makes us America is that I can speak out. Now, I'm not saying anybody's got a light kneeling for the flag, but don't you don't want people to have to stop. Because if they do, then ultimately the people that are going to decide how you demonstrate your freedom of speech are going to be the people you don't want to. And that's what I'm saying. So I get it. Like, I don't want people kneeling for the flag either. I watch it. I'm the, the guy that I talked about. He blew out his ACL um, for the magic. I'm going to buy one of his jerseys. And I'm not buying one of his jerseys because he made a stand. I'm buying one because he had courage and I listened to him post game. And he basically, he said, look, man, my faith leads me to believe that Jesus is the answer to this, not kneeling. And I said, hey, man, I, I, I get down with that. Now, the, hey, look, if you believe that way, kneel. And that's what's aggravated me when everybody jumped on the Kaepernick deal. It's like, hey, he's he's dis-. Yes, I think he is disrespecting our country, but he has the right to do that. And we want the right to do that because I disrespect our country sometimes because I don't like some of the things it stands for, such as destroying certain races through uh, abortion. I don't like that. I think that's. I think we should be screaming from the rooftops, guys. This needs to stop. If I had a platform where I thought it might spur as much interest as this by me taking a knee for that issue, hell, I'd be inclined to do it. All right. So, so what I'm saying to you is, I want that right, guys. <laughs> All right. And if y'all want to give it up, you go ahead and give it up. But, but please keep mine intact. You know, we used to live in a country where the conservatives and liberals agreed that I would fight for your belief to believe in whatever and die for it, even though I thought you were wrong. Now we don't believe that. Now we want to fight each other and kill you because I'm right. And that's yeah, a problem. Yeah, it's a huge yeah, and I, and, and, and problem. So, so I don't care. Again, if you want to sit there and criticize him doing that, you think the issue that you're most passionate about, whatever it is, 
And if you don't like using the word passion, take something you care about. What if they were taking a knee because prayer was taken out of schools? Huh, South Carolina? Oh. <laughs> what if they were taking a knee because, you know, whatever issue you want to come up with, because welfare has expanded too much? Huh, conservative Republican? What if that was what they're taking? Would you support them then? All right. And if you would, then, hey, when they're taking a knee of something you don't support, you say, look, that's not the way I look about it, but I support their right to do that by all means. Hey, if you're if you believe that, whatever, because I want that right, too. But you don't try to stop them because that's the problem. A minute. And that's the reason why this thing's getting so muddied up. Now, I get the sentiment that your uh, white conservative friends are talking about. I think it is disrespectful. I wish they would do something else. Uh, different, and I think that issue is a small issue in comparison to all the problems we got going on. But me and you've talked about it a hundred times. You know what I mean? And, and we're going to continue to talk about it. And it's nothing we're scared of. Yeah. But I'm just saying, <clears throat> like I think when you look at these things, yes, there's that's fine. If that's what you want to take, that's fine. All right. I think that that their impact, their 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 um, their power that they have from their platform could be better utilized to help out people a lot of ways. I know a lot of those guys do that anyway. Right. Um, and I'm not knocking that. And I know the media frames a lot of this stuff because they want us to be in two different <clears throat> corners. But I'm telling you, if you are one of those people who react, it was it was best made clear to me one time when I heard a soldier say, dude, I fought for the right of people to take a knee. Right. And I went, you know, wow. Because America is not just people who think like me. All right, it's people who think, supposed to be, and some who don't, and the majority who don't now, in my opinion. But, but again, I, I, don't, I don't support any of that. Uh, I told you, I think we talked about Kaepernick on here a little bit, and I said I think he did what he did to get his, get his contract. Right. And hey, but you know what? That. In our capitalist society, do what you do, man. Take a knee. If that's what you want to do, if you want to stand up and you want to say these type things and do these type things, then, and that's what you believe in, do it. Because I would much rather know how you feel about these things than not know. Right. Because the minute you start saying that's what's happening, a lot of stuff's getting pushed underground, and then you got a real problem because now you don't know where the uprise is coming from. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and that's what bothers me um, about all that. On the kind of the same lines, mine's a little bit more political, but when I was looking right here, um, um, old Joe Biden, old Papa Joe, um, <laughs> makes another great comment. I want to I want to get your thoughts on this truly. He said. Um, he was interviewing. He was being interviewed. Well, let me say, President Trump tweeted out after. Here's let, let's start with Trump because I know he you don't love to, him. He needs to ban Twitter for himself. He does. He does. I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But he he uh, he said after. And then I'm reading this from an article. Um, it says after yesterday's statement, Sleepy Joe Biden is no longer worthy of the black vote. And I was like, Oh goodness, what did he say? Because the only time I ever read news headlines is when we're about to do the show. So here's what Biden says. Somebody asked him if he would re-engage with Cuba if he was president. If he would re-engage with Cuba. And Biden says this, yes, yes. And by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, is unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. I'm going to read it one more time a little slower. Would you re-engage with Cuba? Yes, yes. And by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about, uh, about different things. So You know how I try to tell you all the time everybody's trying to convince you that the black group is a monolith, and that's the reason? Mm -hmm. There it is, right there. The man said it, and he's too old to remember what he's not supposed to say, and he said it. 
So how does uh, how does Mr. Brown feel about that? I, I that statement to me is a little disgusting because it's suggesting that the African American race all pretty much have the same worldview and aren't as diverse as the other population of color being the Latino Hispanic population. And I, again, the frustrating part, it would be no different if, if Trump had said something is that who, well, let me back up and say this understanding your platform do you think people do stuff like that just for some type of rise or pop popularity, if you will? Asking me. Because as a black man or a black person, I it makes me question even more so now than who I'm going to vote for. I'm well. Let me say this: not a Trump supporter at all. But I will also say this. Joe Biden making statements like that only increases Trump's percentage of being back in office as our president again come yeah. November. Um, as scary as that sounds. You think that's scary? Yes, I think that is really scary Why? for for Joe Biden to to suggest. No, no, no. I thought you were talking about, I'm, my fault. Oh. I thought you were talking about Trump getting back in office is scary. No, I didn't know you were talking about Biden. And I, I was talking about Biden's comment. Okay, I got yeah, you. My yeah, bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think. I understand that, but I, I, I know you probably wouldn't like that, but I don't, would you be scared? No, I wouldn't be scared. Okay, I didn't I, think you would. I, I, that's the reason why I, I don't asking. like it, but no, no, no. I wouldn't be. I honestly wouldn't be scared. Well, man, this is what, and, I, and I'm telling you, you know, as, as much as I do research on this stuff, and, and you know, uh, the first thing he said, I don't know, did you hear his interview with Charlemagne the God? Uh-uh. He said, uh, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. I I read yeah. some things about that. Yes. And then this right here is kind of another step. And, 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 and in Biden's defense, now I'm not defending what he's saying, but I'm defending the statistical rationale that goes into it. The black vote in our country is 90% one way, has been historically. All right. So... He's not talking about black people, even though he says black people. He don't care about black people. That's obvious. He cares about black voters. Okay. And black voters are typically unilateral in, in while they do it. It's actually one of the things that's admirable among uh, black voters is how well they stick together. Um, and, and in my opinion, that, that you can have um, 13% of the populace, um, 13 to 15%. And if you say, you know, I don't know what the rates are, but let's say 20% vote. All right, so that's only that's only three to five percent of the population voting, right? That can have a lot of issues centered around their concerns and their needs, and it's because they do so well to stick together uh, as a voting block. Now, I think you're starting to see that crack up, and I think you're starting to see it crack up because of reasons like this. Let me tell you why he said that, in my opinion. And again, this is I can be wrong about this, but I think he said it because he absolutely believes it. And I think it's one of the biggest lies, and it's been told to white and black America and by every group to the other ones because everybody wants everybody to believe it, that that group or that segment of population is a monolith. Because if it's a monolith, then the statistical majority represents the entire group. I'm going to run for president. I'm old enough now. You're going to run for president? Mm-hmm. You're 35? Yep, turn 35. You can be my running partner. Yeah, we'd, Cat, be, we'd be dead. Catfish and cornbread. We'd be dead in 10 minutes. No, we wouldn't. Yeah, we would. They'd kill us. 
We're not. Yeah, they would. Because you'd get up there and say something, and I'd get up there and say something different, and then everybody look at us, and they'd be like, they're not mad at each other and throwing rocks at each other. We can't handle this. They don't hate each other, and then they'd shoot us. <laughs> we, <laughs> That's what would happen. Assassinated. No, we would bring the nation together. No, we wouldn't. We would be a great poster <laughs> for the melting pot. We would be a target for all the people who make money off yeah. groups hating each other. And they would despise us. We would get tore down from both sides. The the Democrats would hate you. I think that your you. approach Republicans to good versus me. evil, I I think that this is epic. Maybe. You, know? you might I, be right. I think that we... What's Vice talking about? We this. had a conversation the other day, and I, I said, I said uh, guys, it ain't that I don't believe in these words, but all these things, racism, um, it, whatever ism you want to tag out there, uh, whatever system, I, I think all of them are made to divide people, but really it all b- boils under two umbrellas, and those umbrellas are good and evil, um, right and wrong. So if you know, if, if we can ever get to that point um, and, and look at it, and I think that would, if we did run, that would be. We'd be like, no, that's not right. We're not doing that. No, that's wrong. That's evil. We're not doing that. You know, oh, that is good. We will do that. And so you can't do that. You can't do that. Who says you can't do that? Uh, I'm saying it right now because I think we get shot. Well, I There'd be a lot of evil people. A lot of evil people with a lot of power. They'd be like, yeah. We need you to come to a speech right here at this time. What's the purpose of the speech? Anyways, we can talk about that later. The last thing that I want to say is this because it has been bothering me, Clay. Uh-oh. I am all for people supporting their political rights or whoever they want to vote for. Uh-huh. Trump, Biden. And I really only see, like, Trump flags flying on people's trucks and stuff. I don't have a problem with those flags. Here is what I have a problem with. I recently saw a Trump 2020 Make America Great Again flag. And if that's all the flag said, go you do you, you know. Yeah. But at the bottom of the flag... I've seen two different flags. At the bottom of the flag, this particular one said, let's piss the liberals off again. And that's when I want to say to the, I almost followed this truck. Oh, God, don't do that. Just, I said I almost. Just to simply ask him the question, like, it's okay if you support Trump. I don't have a problem with that. But, like, what this flag and the last part, let's piss the liberals off again. What what are your motives there? Like, uh, fine if it just said Trump twenty twenty, go you do you. But that part of it, I'm just like, this is why there's so much division right now yeah. because of ignorant people who are flying. Because I've only seen Trump flags, Trump flags that suggest other things than just Trump twenty twenty make America great again. Yeah, well. You know, that pisses me off. You know, one of the things that I say that, and I think Barack Obama did the same thing. Here's what I think. Now, now again, and I don't know if we're running short on time, but um, Barack Obama made a <clears throat> campaign out of um, hope and change. Yeah. Was that, that was uh-huh. the phrase, right? Hope and change. And so many people bought on that because they wanted hope and they felt like we needed change. And there was not a lot of substantive ideas to Obama's campaign. And I, I remember back then when I was starting to try to, you know, I was really involved in politics. And then I was trying to hammer people down. Like he talked about like cutting the budget and they would ask, how are you going to cut to the budget? And he would use like metaphorical um, 
speaks like, well, we're going we're gonna to take a scalpel, line item, light item by line item, and trim where we can. And it's like, well, that's, that's all well and good, but that's philosophical. I mean, that ain't saying we're going to cut this, or we're going to cut that, or we're going to cut this, or we're going to cut that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, not, that's not functional. And um, so, but he, but he did that, and a lot of people got on board with that. And Trump realized that um, you could do that. And so what Trump did is he just did that to the other people. And, and, and I don't care what anybody says, all these people that are motivated. And I know a lot of people like Trump. And listen, if I could take Trump and cut him in half and the, and the half of his brain that did the Twitter and the stupid comments and the rude comments and all that stuff was over here and the other half was over here, the guy that did the, the policy um, and the deal negotiating. And, and uh, I even like the way he handles the media when, he doesn't, when he's not rude uh, to them. And, and sometimes they're rude to him, and I understand it back. But, you know, like the calling people fat and ugly and all that. I mean, that's childish. But, but if you could slip those two away, I would probably love Trump as the president. Now, I don't think he's what a lot of people think he is. But the other stuff makes it hard. I don't know how you separate. I, I put so much stock in wisdom. And to me, a man that tweets as much as he does cannot be wise. Because a man who, I mean, a man that speaks and is wise is very careful in his words and does not right. just blast it out over the nation, you know. So anyway... Um, but I said all that and, and, and Trump did the same thing. He did the same thing. And that's what he did. He did the build the wall. He knew that that, that was a huge thing that was going to get people uh, supportive. And the other thing was, um, we're going to take all these people who say, you can't say these things and we're going to thumb our nose at them. And, and, uh, you know, and, and I think that, that, that pissing liberals off. Have you seen the one that says Trump 2020 make America again? No more bullshit. I think. Uh, yeah, actually, that's another one of those. I think and a, a kid drove through our school with that flag. Yeah, and I, I'm just looking at it. Drop off. I'm just looking at that right now, yeah. and I go, I don't know how in the world we've got to a point where that's okay for a sitting president's campaign. Now, I don't believe the Trump campaign put that out, but I do. No, I don't believe they put I it believe out either. That, but. I believe that the people that put it out felt empowered to do it because of yeah. some of the things that happened, and that's what I talk about wisdom. So. You know, I don't, like I said, I mean, you, I would encourage you to read like the first step program. I would encourage you to read uh, a lot of the stuff they're doing uh, with the uh, community reinvestment stuff. Um, I think you would be absolutely shocked uh, to understand that thing because I don't think people are promoting that. Um, and even when they do promote it, they don't, they don't talk about him being the one that's kind of pushing it or trying to get that initiative going. Um, but again, Trump, the policymaker. I go, yeah, man, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with this. I agree with that. Trump, the uh, tweeter, I'm like, dude, man, break your thumbs off. That's what we need to do. He just breaks his, if he broke his thumbs off, right? Thumbs. Thumbs. Just broke them have, off. He still have four fingers on each hand. That's what I'm saying, but he got to hold the phone, and he couldn't just do just it with his little. Just hold it down on his desk hey, huh? and type with his index finger. Look, I'm trying to come up with solutions for the that's country terrible, right now. That's a terrible solution. And you're, this all would be you're us doing, in office right now. All you're doing solution. is pissing on my idea, telling me how bad it is, and I'm trying to get Fine. this man off well, Twitter. Clean up the piss and come up with a new idea. <sighs> Guys, thank you for your time. We love you. Thank you for listening. Uh, email us at catfishingcornbread34 at gmail.com. We will see you soon. That was Shavai praising himself, just so you know. <laughs>